0: I'm Neil Wilkins and welcome to The Mindful Living Show. So hello and good morning to this webinar with Cambridge Marketing College. My name is Neil Wilkins and uh, welcome. This is part of the webinar series that we're running to develop the personal skills and technical skills and professional skills of marketers. This one is presentation skills and a uh, little bit ironic that I'm going to be presenting to you as part of this. Um, I will make a little apology just in case you can hear in the background any uh, drilling and building work going on the location where I'm actually presenting this from today um, is undergoing some major structural changes which uh, obviously might be a slight challenge to the quality of the audio. So a little caveat there if uh, from time to time you hear a little bit of distraction in the background but hopefully it won't be too bad. As I say, this is a webinar series, and uh, this is now number three in this particular part two webinar series. We've been doing quite a lot of these, and they seem to be growing in popularity. I think we're touching on quite a few really interesting uh, topics and subjects as we go through this, and uh, we've got a lot more in this series coming to you. Um, The most recent one, a couple of weeks ago, was communication skills, and this one really builds on that with the subject of presentation skills. So really honing in and doing a deep dive on presentation and uh, all its various forms. So this is what we're going to be covering in this session. We're going to follow this up in a couple of weeks time with the art of persuasion. So taking communication and presentation to the next level and looking at influencing people and then in four weeks time we'll be extending that again in terms of the subject of negotiation. So developing and enhancing your negotiating skills, particularly if you're in an environment that involves some kind of business development and uh, customer interaction, obviously where negotiation comes into play. So all of these topics are very interrelatable and uh, they're sort of interconnected really. So uh, if you're part of this series and you've been coming along to quite a few of these, hopefully they are building into a set of some really useful things for you to think about. And I'm going to be um, basically in this particular session covering not the how to create a presentation. You can uh, do a search online for that and watch uh, numerous tutorials. This is very much about the skills side of presenting and presentations rather than the how do I create a really good PowerPoint or keynote. Um, There are lots of different views and opinions on that topic and uh, you can certainly do a little bit of uh, research for a suitable tutorial on that. But I'm going to be focusing in here on the human side of both the preparation and the delivery of presentations based on probably around about sort of 30 years of trying this getting it right getting it wrong and kind of learning as i go in many ways uh, the art of presentation now you can be the judge at the end of this uh, we're going to have a q and a um, as we always do in this webinar series towards the end of this particular Short presentation of some of the concepts and some of the thinking um, that potentially is quite sort of good practice. I never like really to use the words best practice because it implies there's only one way to do this. but the idea of this particular session is that we are going to be focusing in on the the kinds of skills and behaviours. That form a really effective presentation, and you can pick and mix from what I'm going to be sharing with you. Some of the stuff will resonate as it normally will do in these kinds of sessions, and some of the stuff you might think, "Well, that's interesting, but it's not really me," and that is completely fine as well. So I'm not here to preach to you a single way of presenting. I'm here to share with you some ideas and some thinking, and as we go into the Q&A at the end, um, hopefully then we'll be able to have a little bit of interaction, and you can feedback to me basically how I did um, but also if you've got any other questions or observations about things that potentially you might have tried as well. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of interaction there. Uh, Lauren will be opening the uh, the chat facility there and uh, looking to take some of the questions that she'll then uh, throw in my direction. So if you do have anything as we go through this presentation in this webinar uh, that you want to raise or that you want to ask or that there's an observation that you want to share, uh, please do so using the chat facility and then uh, we'll hopefully be able to get to your point uh, as we get towards the end of this session. Okay so let's begin, Let's let's just jump straight into this then. So what are we talking about here? when we talk about presentation skills. So as I say, we're not looking here to create the ultimate PowerPoint or keynote. This is about you as a human being presenting to others. Okay, so let's define what we mean by presenting and by presentation, because by doing that, what we'll do is we'll kind of show the boundaries of really what we're looking to achieve here. So here's the definition then. A presentation conveys information from a speaker to an audience. Okay, So there's a key word there is conveying information. So basically this is about sharing. Okay, So a presentation is um, an element of sharing, human to human sharing, and we'll, we'll look at the various types of that in a moment. So presentations are typically demonstrations, introductions, lectures or speeches. Okay so they take take many different formats, they take many different styles if you like and one of the things I'm going to be covering as we go through this webinar is a really important point that it is to select one of each of the elements or building blocks that I'm going to be covering with you to achieve within your presentation. Now we, we've often attended things, webinars, conferences, summits, um, in person or online where you think my goodness that speaker they just tried to you know bombard me with stuff. Now, often what they've done there is they've tried to demonstrate, they've tried to introduce, they've tried to lecture you, and they've tried to kind of share things with you, but they're trying to do too much. So by defining what you're trying to achieve at the outset and a single thing, it gives real clarity to it and purpose to you, but also to the audience. So that'll be the first thing I want to focus on really is this whole idea of honing things down to maybe even a single individual message. So why do we present? Well, the definition continues to inform, persuade, inspire, motivate, build goodwill, or present a new product or idea. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff in there. And again, let's just choose one. So what are you trying to do with your presenting, your presentation? Are you informing? So you're kind of imparting information for a particular reason. Are you looking to persuade somebody? In other words, are you looking to try and influence them to change a particular behavior or to get them to do something? Are you looking to inspire them? Is this all about inspiring a team or a group of colleagues or maybe some customers? Are you looking to motivate somebody as you present to them? Are you looking to get them fired up again for behavioral change? Are you looking to build goodwill with a customer or a partner or a member of staff? Or are you presenting a little bit more formally, possibly a new idea or a product because you want somebody to be making decisions or doing something as a result of what you share? So can you see what's happening here? If you start to try and do everything or maybe a number of things in here, it starts to very quickly get confusing. So we're going to begin really here by starting to really identify as part of a a checklist really what are you looking to achieve with your presentation because if you've been given a brief can you please present to us on this particular topic or can you please launch this product or this service internally to the team or can you present this to a customer if you try and download all of those things into a presentation You're going to see that moment where the audience starts to glaze over they start to lose the reason to live as they start to listen to what you're talking about and then you'll find there's fatigue and they'll drift away. So the key thing here is to run through what I would call a six-point checklist to allow yourself to really start to hone in on what is the most important thing because ultimately here you're looking for a single goal or a single objective that allows you to end the presentation where you're feeling good and great, you've imparted this single, real kind of gold nugget, if you like, but the audience has accepted it and taken it on, and they're willing to do then an action as a result of it, okay? So my six-point checklist, and as I'm sort of producing presentations, I always try, and sort of as far as I can, start to really kind of hone in on these things. So number one is the type of presentation. Number two is my reasons for presenting. And that's important. And I'll come on to explaining those. So I'm going to share details behind each of these in just a moment. Number three is the choice of medium. That's really important because normally, back in the day, a couple of years ago, when we thought about presenting, we'd be thinking, I've got to stand up in front of a group of people. I've got my PowerPoint on the, on the screen and I've got to present to them and my heart's beating. You know, I've got to sort of remember to breathe and not just try and hold my breath through 30 minute presentation. And things start to get really quite sort of complicated. So what we're trying to do here is choose a medium that is appropriate and of course we're going to be talking here today as well about going online and actually doing this in an online sense. We also need to face challenges. Presenting is not easy, okay? This is tricky stuff. It's very easy to get this thing wrong but it's also very easy to build confidence so we need to face the challenges that are open to us and kind of see how we can sort of deal with those, manage them and come out in a good space. And then five and six are some top tips for both personal and practical creation of the uh, the presentation and how you kind of manage your way through that process. So these six point checklist items are really important as you start to kind of build the confidence that you are going to get to this ideal outcome, which is a win win. Win for you, but also win for the audience. Okay, so number one in this checklist is your type of presentation. So what are you looking to kind of achieve as it were? So are you looking at your presentation as sharing information? So it is just like an update. So this might be the kind of presentation you're gonna to do to uh, maybe a monthly team meeting, for example. So there's a, an element of repetition in that. People kind of know what's coming and you're just really sharing updates. Are you looking to teach them something? And I guess really that's what you might term, this is my decision for this particular one is I'm hoping to impart to you some ideas for how you might structure your preparation for presentation. So that's probably a good example is this particular webinar. So are you looking to teach them something? But of course you need to then, if you've decided that you're teaching them something, figure out, well, what is it I'm looking to teach them? And is that appropriate for the audience that they want to be taught this topic? Um, And of course, the filter there is whether or not they stay on the session that you've invited them to. Another type of presentation is selling something. Now, of course, a lot of us in business development, sales and marketing roles, you know, typically we're selling messages. It might not be a physical product that we're selling, but we're selling concepts, we're selling ideas. So often this is something. So I'm not here selling this to you today. I'm hopefully here kind of imparting knowledge and experience that you can choose then to take or not. But I'm not really selling you anything as such. It could be progress reporting. In other words, this is a formal kind of project management kind of presentation where people kind of know what's coming and all you're doing is you're reporting on the progress. So you're not selling, teaching or sharing, you're really just doing an update. And of course, the style or type of presentation there is going to be very different. And of course, if it's about a presentation that's to inspire decision making or maybe problem solving, it's all about interaction. Because you can do sharing, teaching, selling and progress with a limited amount of kind of interaction until maybe a Q&A at the end. But if you're presenting to get decision making or problem solving, then your structure of presentation and the way that you mentally prepare for it is going to need to be collaborative. It's going to need to be a conversation. So the type of presentation there is going to be very different because you're going to be inviting comment. And of course, what I've done here is I've invited comments, but kind of in the background at the end of my presentation. So I'm clearly not going down progress reporting, decision making or problem solving here. This is very much in the teaching something category. So in my head, that starts then to structure the way that I'm going to form the flow, if you like, of this. Now, of course, then very importantly, we can move to part two, which is the reason for presenting. So is it informing? Is it relationship building? Is it persuasion or is it motivating and inspiring? You need to make that clear distinction so that the audience is very clear what you're looking to get from them as much as what your expectation is of the outcome of your presentation. So I would put this particular webinar in the informing category. Yes, hopefully there might be a little bit of relationship building. You know, we might, because of the Q&A at the end there, learn a little bit more about each other. But generally, this is going to be about information imparting. So I'm giving you ideas, things to think about, little checklists, that kind of thing. I'm not necessarily directly at the top of my list looking to build a relationship with you. But if that's a spin-off, then great. But that's not my prime motivation here. Am I looking to persuade you to do anything with this one? Well, not really, because it is very much down to you and your personal style as to the things that you choose or not choose to take on from the things that we're talking about here. But if it's a very different kind of scenario and your reason for presenting is to persuade a grouper or a team or an individual to do something differently, then, of course, the reason for presenting has to be super clear. And this is all about being authentic. And we'll look at that when we come to the art of persuasion and negotiating skills in future webinars so you can see how these can potentially be quite interlinked. Persuasion is a very, very different style of presenting and of course if you're looking to do the product launch, the big sales launch or the annual conference or things like that, the motivation and inspiring of behavior and, you know, engendering, you know, a real kind of passion behind um, sort of people's responses to your presentation. Again, a very different thing. I'm not looking necessarily in this particular one as an example for you to become motivated and inspired to get on and do a presentation. It is much more in the information style of presentation here. Now, of course, once you've made those kind of two choices, you've set the scene as to what you're looking to achieve. And then comes the very, very important choice of medium okay as I said right at the start here most of the time when we thought about presenting back in the day it would have been in person to a small group to an individual or maybe to a larger audience at a conference or at an event and that was the style of um, presentations that we were looking to do but now more and more and more of us have been moving into the, uh, the realm of presenting online obviously with the screen share much as I'm doing here is through this webinar the screen share and then the impartial information onto a small screen rather than necessarily getting the feedback from the audience. Now this is very much a personal thing as to where you're going to feel most comfortable. I would suggest you start to reflect on some of these uh, these four things and we could also add in audio presenting because sometimes, you know, we'll be in a situation where particularly with a customer where we're looking to present to them, but it is literally just through audio. So you you don't have the support of the, the visual element of a presentation slide or a product view or whatever or a video. So it is just purely audio. Now I would suggest as you're starting to maybe consider how you use some of these ideas to present in the future, you start to to kind of reflect for a little while on your comfort level And also your potentially your skill level in each of these areas. So what do you prefer, the small group or the large group? How does that kind of make you feel? How do you physically react as well as emotionally and mentally react to the thought of actually presenting to a large group versus a small group? How is that going to make your choice of medium come to light? how you're going to feel differently and also in a minute we're going to look at what you can do about it but it's really important to kind of understand yourself and spend a little bit of time just kind of reflecting on how these things make you feel and I know because of feedback I've had from a lot of people i talk to that video presentation both in meetings and webinars and team meetings and stuff on screen is not a high preference for most people. Most people really try and shy away from it because they don't get that audience feedback. It's very, very easy to imagine that everybody's switched off or gone off to make a cup of coffee. and they're still not even there listening to you. And then you often feel like, well, I'm actually talking to myself, which can be a very unnerving thing. So here, potentially you do have a choice to influence the audience to the chosen medium of your choice to play to your strengths or maybe to test out some of the skills that you're going to be looking to put into practice. Now, a lot of the time, this can be predetermined. So your boss or your line manager says, look, I need you to present to this group in person. I need you in the office on this particular day. Can you come in and do a presentation? A lot of the time, customers, customers might say, no, you can't actually come in because we're still you know, socially distancing. So can you do a presentation to me through Teams or Zoom or whatever? And so sometimes this is actually you know, prescribed to you. But if it isn't, think about the choice of medium. What is appropriate to what you want to achieve What is your comfort level in your choice of medium? And also, what is appropriate from the audience's perspective? Because you might find that there's a big, big discrepancy between some of those answers. So your choice of medium is a very, very important one to think about. And also, what's most important to what you're trying to convey? If it's a sales meeting and you can actually get in front of people, that could be a much more attractive option available to you. So, yeah, just think about some of these things because they are really important to the way that you can actually construct the the comfort level, if you like, um, for your uh, particular presentation. And of course, that seamlessly brings us into the challenges then that we're going to be facing. So the next thing by point four here in this kind of building this checklist of how am I going to do this thing? So you've chosen the medium, you know, the style of all the tone of voice that you're going to be doing this uh, this presentation in and, you know, the kind of the ultimate outcome. Now what you need to do is go through a very, very clear checklist to make sure that you are not falling into some of these little um, little holes that lots of people do make mistakes in when they come to creating and planning and rehearsing their presentation. Having very clear objectives at the outset as to what this thing's going to be is super important. OK, um, often poor presentations result from just not being clear about what actually the objective of it is. So for me in this webinar, I set the objective at the start, which was to tell you these six key things in the checklist and to say there's a QA. and a So it can be as simple as that. Just set the objective as to what are you going to be helping people to experience through this commitment of time to listening and sharing information with you. Another really important one is information overload. You know, we've got this captive audience. They're looking, they're listening, they're ready, they're waiting. And so then we bombard them with loads of information. Understanding that less is definitely more is a key feature of presentation. Okay, so that's why I'm saying the goal of this presentation here, this one that we're talking about here, is just to really consider these six sort of techniques, if you like, or these six personal skills in presenting. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to share with you loads of other stuff about examples and how to create PowerPoint slides. That would be information overload. So keeping it tight and precise. And assuming the audience knows best is one of the ways that you can very, very quickly lose confidence. OK, most of the time, the audience that you're presenting to does know less than you. OK, so a lot of people say, "Oh, I always think that, you know, my audience is going to be you know super experienced and, you know, I'm less confident because I don't know as much as them. Generally, most people don't know very much about anything. Um, You know, I'm in that category too with most things. So assume that your audience kind of knows a little bit less than you do, and you're going to share with them some really interesting stuff. That in itself will build your confidence as you look into this. What you also need to remember is that you need to translate what's going on in your head and what's going on on the screen into something that's meaningful for the audience. Most people, when they start to create a presentation, they think all I have to do is read the bullet points on my slide and the audience will understand exactly what I'm talking about and of course they don't. So it's your role as the presenter to remember that you're translating what they might see or what they might have as preconceived ideas into something that's meaningful. So think of yourself not necessarily as a presenter but as a translator. Translator of concepts, translator of inspiration, translator of teaching and then it just sets your mindset into quite an interesting place So you can explore that maybe in the next uh, presentation that you do. Big challenge, of course, is audience fatigue. Keep it as short and as precise as possible. So whatever style or type of presentation you're doing, make sure that you're very aware that the audience is going to be tiring very, very quickly. Now, I know we are about 20 minutes into this one, and I'm not going to be spending too much longer in this presentation because I want to get to the Q&A. where hopefully we're going to see uh, some feedback and actually enter into a little bit more of a conversation. So being mindful of audience fatigue is key. Another one that a challenge that you're going to have to get your head around, particularly if you're doing um, sort of online presentations, is multitasking. And you'll see this if you're doing a team's presentation, for example, and you're watching people's faces and, and reactions, you'll see the eye movement, you'll see that they're looking at their emails, you'll see that their mind is drifting. So if you sense multitasking, so they're doing other stuff, or if you sense audience fatigue, move on quickly. Okay, so all the time, and particularly in something like this, if you see the number of attendees dropping drastically, you know that you've got to speed this thing up, you know that people are tiring. So be very, very aware of those subtle little clues that are allowing you to pace it and to get the right dynamic and the right energy, if you like, within it. Another big challenge that a lot of us face here is that forgetting the audience is always a one-to-one experience. From the customer or the audience's perspective, it's just you and them. From your angle, you're looking potentially at a huge screen or a huge room of people or even a small group of people and you think, oh, I've got to talk to my audience. From their perspective, theirs is a one-to-one relationship with you as the presenter or the speaker. So remember that when you're actually talking to them. So talk as though you're talking to people individually. Remember that they're looking to get some value from you as individuals. So of course if you're in a room presenting to people make eye contact with them. One of the old school styles of presenting was that you project your voice to the back of the room and you almost look at this um, sort of you know ghost of a person right at the back of the room and you talk to them and of course for me that's the you're forgetting actually that there's an audience of real people in the room in between you and that. So I always say make individual contact and if you can and the audience isn't too big see if you can, and again, this takes practice, make eye contact with each and every individual in the room as you're talking. And of course, you will naturally, as a human being, be attracted to those who are nodding and giving you affirmation and making or you know, just giving you that little bit of feedback. So you'll pick up subconsciously who those people are. And it's a great feeling when you do get that subliminal context, if you like, that people are responding back to you. And another big challenge as well in terms of your planning and making sure that people are actually in the right place or in the right room is picking your audience. If this is some of those examples that I've given you, reporting style of presentation, um, don't necessarily you know, invite everybody, just invite people who need to hear that report. If this is about motivation and the inspiration, make sure you've got the right audience there and of course if this is a briefing, you don't have to invite everybody in the organization just the people who need to hear the message. Often presentations fail not just because they're not good presentations or the speaker's not great, it's because the audience wasn't the right audience. So take care to select and invite the right audience and then you'll be in the right kind of space to move to point five which is some of my top tips for kind of preparing yourself both mentally and then actually rehearsing and actually taking yourself in a really comfortable enjoyable way through your presentation. So the first thing I would say in terms of a top tip really is to self-reflect. Be very, very, not critical in a negative way, but critical to share the, the good side and the challenges that you face as a presenter. Be really open and honest with yourself. It's fine to self-reflect. It's fine to adapt. It's fine in the next presentation to think, you know, I'm never going to do what I just did there again. And I'm going to be really conscious of how I do things, not so that it becomes kind of artificial and fake, but it just becomes a very present experience for you. And how can you do that? Well, you can often record yourself. So um, in all the presentations that I do, I record myself. Okay, so there I have put my hand up and, and said, and it's not because of an ego thing. It's because when I listen back, I can replay it back and I can spot those little moments where I think, hmm, That didn't quite work or flow in that moment. And yeah, maybe I could have done that slightly differently. Maybe I'm speaking a little bit quickly, or maybe I'm speaking a little bit too slowly. And at times, maybe I dwell just a little bit too long on that particular point. How would I do it differently the next time? So, recording, replaying, and improving every single time you present, even if it is just you've got your phone on voice memo and you're just recording so nobody else knows that you're doing it, so you can reflect again later. Of course, asking the audience for feedback is a really, really great thing. But know that if it's an audience that knows you, the chances are they're going to be quite kind. Um, But if you can get some honest feedback from the audience, that's always a great way of getting some real authentic uh, feedback that you can then self-reflect upon. You don't have to take it all on board. You might decide that your personal style and way that you present is yours and it's special to you and you're always going to do it that way. This is your choice and your journey, if you like. And we're all on this journey. A lot of people say that um, they struggle with breathing and over sensitivity to their heartbeat as they're presenting, particularly if you feel a real natural nervousness in, in presenting. So think about pacing your presentation with natural, controlled, calm, deep breathing. Now you're gonna have to rehearse this if you haven't done this before. But it's a really great way of just controlling a pace that means that the presentation is comfortable to you and for you, because you've got to enjoy this. You know, presentations should be enjoyable. They shouldn't be striking fear into you. And so, of course, one of the ways that we can do that is really with um, pacing it with controllable breathing. So have a little play with that. Remember deep deep breathing, inhalation and exhalation. If you find your heartbeat running away and you find your breathing running away, then just take a moment of silence. Even in the middle of a presentation, the use of silence is kind of a very advanced technique um, that probably you'll see really only in the most confident presenters. You know, those people who you think, oh, wouldn't it just be amazing to be able to present like them? Yeah, they just seem to have the audience in the palm of their hand. They seem to just know when to pause, know when to look around, know when to just, you know, calmly just use that moment of silence to just reflect, reconnect with the audience, just to give that moment of that key point that they're making a chance to settle in. The use of silence is so, so powerful try it. The next presentation that you do, be it online or in person, just use silence for a moment. You will always get your audience back on track. If they're multitasking or their mind is drifting, just use silence because it just awakens them. Less is definitely more. And particularly if you're looking to make a key point, Barack Obama was the genius presenter of using silence after a key point was made. He would say he would say something, it was a key message within a presentation and then he'd pause and he would let that pause just roll and it would roll almost to the point of this is a little bit uncomfortable now and then he'd bring it back in and again really trapping, really holding that audience and their attention really in the palm of his hand. So try it, play with it, it's a very very key thing. But whilst we're using breathing and silence and it's all about you, um, because, of course, that is, it's allowing you to keep control of the presentation. One of the other things that's really important is to demonstrate passion. If you sound bored in a presentation as you're presenting, everybody then has the right and the permission to also feel bored and you're going to get a really flat reaction. I've mentioned in um, other webinars the fact that I talk way, way faster than I do naturally when I'm doing a webinar or a presentation, and for me, it's just one of my personal ways of demonstrating how keen and interested and excited I am on a topic. If I talked at this rate, I would, I would really well, I'd time myself out. If I talked at this rate in my everyday life, so I don't. I talk a lot slower. I use a lot more silence. I pace myself a lot more in the real world but when I'm presenting I speed things up. It's almost like I've got like a little dial that I just turn all the little dials up just a little bit to convey a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more passion because I'm quite a laid-back person naturally and if that resonates with you it might be time to just play with that volume control, that little dial that sort of controls the, the, the pace of your presentations because that in itself, even though you don't say anything differently, that can help to create a a sort of a level of passion. And all of these things, of course, take mental rehearsal. Just before this particular webinar, I didn't spend a huge amount of time rehearsing, but what I did is I locked in my subconscious to get into the zone by literally just going through and not even kind of reading each of the slides, but just looking at the slides, just allowing my kind of um, mental processes to kind of lock into each of these slides just so that I knew subconsciously what was coming. For me, that's enough in terms of mental rehearsal. But for some people, they like to go from start to finish a number of times through their presentation. And that in itself is a great way of building the confidence, of building the structure, of just knowing what's coming. And of course, for some people, they want notes, they want speaker notes. But speaker notes a good thing. I don't know. It's a kind of it's a practical thing that for some people, they actually would describe themselves as needing them because they'll get those moments where their mind just goes blank. So if that's you, I'm not here to say don't do it, but I'm here to say play around with some of these concepts because you could get to a point where you think, hmm, I don't necessarily need notes anymore because I'm storytelling. And so maybe that's one way that you can explore and experiment with the you know the style of presentation that going forward might become a little bit more attractive to you. But it is all about having your personal benchmarks and seeing if you can just add maybe 1%, 2% improvement each time you present. So being present, self-reflecting, recording, replaying and improving and having this little checklist of things that you can do allows you to get to a point where when you start to structure practically what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, then you're in a really confident space to improve each and every time you present. So then my final bit then is the practical top tips. So this is my point six on my checklist is think about the structure and the timing. Um, Make sure you never, ever, ever go over time in a presentation because really what that's saying is I don't, as a presenter, really, you know, respect, if you like, um, the time of the audience. I don't respect kind of, um, you know, their time. They've got busy days and I'm kind of, you know, not um, really considering the audience. So never, ever go over time. How long should a presentation be? Well, most people say it shouldn't be any more than about 10 to 12 slides, because after that, unless, of course, you're teaching for a whole day, which obviously is something very, very different. But if you're presenting a concept, an idea, a briefing, um, a launch or something like that, you should be able to get it within 10 to 12 slides. And of course, that also includes beginning and ending with the headline. You know, tell people what you're going to tell them, tell them and then remind them what you told them. It's an old adage, but it is so, so true. So beginning and ending with the headline allows them to understand what you're going to tell them, then hear the storytelling of building the context and the reasoning and the value, and then remind them what it was they came to learn. It seems to be a human flow of understanding and learning, particularly if you're looking to inspire behavioural change, super important. We've talked about less is more. We've also talked about a little bit about kind of uh, presentations that kind of are really about sort of statements and storytelling. Try and avoid bullet points. I've kind of hidden a few bullet points really in here, if you like, because I've made a few statements and I haven't actually put bullet points on the slides. But these are kind of statements rather than kind of reading from bullet points. So giving the context behind the statements is really important. We talked about setting expectations. It's a really practical thing. As long as people understand what's expected of them, i.e. in this one, and I'll just press the pause button a second to say, remember, if you've got any questions or observations, we're going to be using the chat facility in just a moment. Remembering that, you know, setting out those expectations allows the audience to understand what's in it for them, but also what's expected of them so that when you're telling the stories, when you're giving the anecdotes, when you're using the examples of your experience and case studies and testimonials and all those wonderful things that help build this story that hopefully keeps people engaged, they'll understand still what's expected of them and they won't just get lost in the stories. Okay, so yours is a balancing act. Remember, we talked about translation. Yes, you can storytell in a presentation, but remember the ultimate goal is this one key leave behind. And it is just one thing. You can't expect people to remember a whole host of things, even if they take notes. Your task as the translator/stroke presenter in this presentation is to give them one key leave behind. And generally that is about what do you want them to do next? Okay, so that's the final practical top tip, is what do you want them to do next as a result of this? And for me in this particular webinar what I'd like you to do next is to look back at any notes that you've taken here and take the time to reflect. Get yourself a natural structure or checklist that you can use to set your benchmark in the next presentation and then each time you present See if you can improve it by maybe one percent, by testing something out, by rehearsing, by practicing, by thinking about your breathing and all those things that we've covered. So that's what I want you to do next. My one key lead behind is the checklist. Have yourself a checklist. I'm not saying you've got to copy mine per se, but you can use some of the things in there. Maybe add some of your own ideas in there and remember that every outcome, every consequence of every presentation that you do is a consequence of the decisions you made earlier because you can just do everything like you've always done it but you'll always get the same outputs from the presentations that you do. So if you start to improve these things you will find things will change. Not everything will work but a lot of things will work. So for me, that's the key thing in here is remembering that everything that you do from this point forward when you present is going to have an impact on the outcomes from those presentations. And that's it. That is my six points. For presenting, Um, as I say, we weren't going to ever cover the whole thing about, you know, should it be this font or that font or how how can you use background images? Look at tutorials online for that. That's that's the easy stuff. It's looking at these key six points. For me, those are the key things to create creating and preparing, to managing it actually in practice and for this continuous improvement thing that we've been doing. And the next time we come together, we're going to be looking at the art of persuasion. So how can you use some of those presentation skills to persuade people to do things, to persuade people to behave differently, to persuade people to interact with you in a slightly different way? Persuasion is a really, really interesting human concept. And then we'll take that in the following one to negotiation. How can you use that to define and choreograph win-win outcomes with the people who you interact with? So this is a really interesting little sort of set of, um, sort of skills and best practice, if you like, that you can pick and mix from. And that's why I'm really, really sort of you know, excited and passionate about this webinar series, because if you come to each of these, if you start to, to build together all of the different little elements, if you like, they're ingredients, they're ingredients in a big recipe. You'll have really to hand all of the things that you need to you know continue on your journey in a really conscious and present way. You're not going to get it right every time. But you will learn as each step you take. So that's what I wanted to present to you today. Would uh, like to hand over now to Lauren, and uh, we'll see if we've got any uh, questions from chat. And you can use the chat facility to um, basically uh, ask anything, any observations, any questions, or things that you want uh, me to come back to you with.
1: Thanks, Neil. Um, we haven't currently got any questions in the question box so if anyone has any questions we'll just hang on for a couple of more moments and we'll answer them for you
0: okay so feel free to ask any presentation questions you like and just a little reminder on the screen that uh, we do have a couple of podcasts that support this uh, this webinar series. Uh, there's mine. That's the Neil Wilkins podcast. You can search on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for that. Uh, connect with me if we haven't already. I know quite a few people uh, attending these webinars now have connected to me, particularly on LinkedIn. Uh, it'd be great to connect with you. I'd love to sort of keep in touch with you. So you can just search Neil Wilkins X uh, in social media, particularly LinkedIn, but all the other social networks I generally am in. And also the Cambridge Marketing Podcast as well. There's lots of uh, great podcasts and content of a similar nature to this. Uh, that you can find in uh, both of those podcasts I'm doing obviously quite a bit of content on these kinds of topics Uh, so let's connect uh, through those and uh, yeah feel free to subscribe to both of those podcasts which are super popular right now I'm going to hand back to uh, Lauren just a second but just to say if you're not aware uh, you probably are aware because uh, obviously uh, if you're listening to this uh, live uh, you've probably gone through marketingcollege.com forward slash events Uh, but if you happen to be watching this on catch up or somebody's forwarded this to you and you'd like to join the art of persuasion webinar on the 9th of July or negotiating skills on the 23rd of July come along to marketingcollege.com slash events uh, bookmark that and uh, you we will see the, uh, the registrations uh, for those uh, coming up very very soon
1: okay we've had a little influx of questions um, so the first one comes from Julie who's asking I have a strong regional accent and I'm self-conscious about that any tips on how to overcome any anxiety
0: That's a lovely question. Thank you for asking that one. Um, I I guess people can understand that I'm from the West Country uh, here in the UK. If you're watching from overseas, that's down in the southwest of England. Um, Those of you in the UK can probably um, sense there's a little bit of an accent there for me. Um, If you have what you might describe as a, a strong accent, I would say embrace it, Um, unless you are at a point and it's possibly quite unlikely that people literally won't understand you, um, then obviously then there are certain things that uh, you could do in terms of going on, uh, so maybe some elocution uh, sort of classes and things to kind of really sort of settle the accent down. But if you have a natural, Um, local dialect or um, a natural accent. I would say just embrace it. I think for me the more important thing to do is to just be very very conscious of maybe not using um, local phrases or local sayings. A lot of us in kind of day-to-day language find ourselves kind of using sort of um, local phrases um, and sayings that are kind of almost sort of embedded in our subconscious. Um, And particularly if you're talking to an international audience, Um, I do a lot of work with uh, clients in Italy and uh, I've noticed that um, there's a particular uh, sort of colleague of mine who would always um, sort of be throwing in kind of sayings and things like that. And you can see the Italian audience, they kind of look sort of bemused as though, why didn't I understand what he just said? But of course it's because it's a very local saying. Um, And even I didn't really necessarily understand some of the things he would say. So I think we've just got to be very careful careful not doing that but I would say as long as it's not too strong an accent that people literally can't understand you then yeah just embrace it.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Holly who asks about the best way to start a presentation.
0: Yeah, that's that's always a good one. I mean, I think the best way of starting a presentation, if you're doing it with um, sort of face-to-face, either online or uh, without, is to start with a pause for breath, um, is to not jump straight in, is to not sort of do anything other than maybe just take a deep breath and smile. It It isn't about the content. It's about getting the audience engagement. The very best, very best presenters, the ones who really hold you, Um, literally, as I said earlier, in the palm of your hand, um, are the ones who don't start with the content at all. They'll do a smile. They will um, pause for breath. They'll make eye contact and they'll just be grateful for having an audience. And you can see them. They'll look around the room. And particularly you see this with um, if you do any uh, watch any um, TED talks or TEDx talks, you'll see the very, very best speakers on there will always Just take that moment and they'll just, wow, look at this. This is an absolute honor. They'll be thinking in their heads, I'm so grateful that this is an amazing opportunity for me. I'm respecting the audience. I'm smiling. And you will get that return to you. You know, we've talked before in terms of communication skills about you get what you give. Um, And the same in presentations. If you just jump straight in, hello, everybody. Right, here's my slide one. Let me tell you about this. And you're panting and you're kind of like trying to race through it. How's that going to feel as an audience? But what better for an audience to feel as though, wow, this person's really relaxed. They're looking to really enjoy this. Wow, I'm going to smile back at them. And even if they don't visually smile back, subconsciously, they are smiling back. Remember that moment of silence. If you start with silence, you've got complete and utter control. So I think start slowly. Great question, Robert.
1: The next one um, is from Lorna who asks, how is the best way to swerve a, mid, a mind blank mid presentation? This is the biggest downfall when having to present.
0: Yeah, and, and it affects all of us. I, I would say I've you know I've been doing presentations now for well decades, literally, and you will get, mind blanks. You absolutely will get them, no matter how experienced, how often you've done it. Large audiences, small audiences, it just happens. Um, The the first thing to think at that point is that, that you will get a sympathy vote, unless it's going so badly wrong, which is very, very unlikely for most situations, then you will get a sympathy vote from the audience. Okay, That's the first thing, because they will share know the empathy from from an audience generally if you've started off really well and they're going to like you they're not looking to shoot you down it's very rare you're going to get an audience looking to shoot you down if you have a mind blank generally what happens is if you just take a moment and just embrace that silence maybe look down maybe go within be confident in that silence because they will be looking to you to kind of lead them and not make it too awkward going forward. The the worst thing you can do is to start to panic, is to start to, um, if you can avoid it, not have a giggling fit. I've seen people, you know, start laughing and they get sort of super self-conscious and it's fine to have a mind blank. We all do it. You know, if you find that it's going too badly wrong, either you could go back one slide, and and pick up where you started. And as we know in conversation, if you do backtrack a little bit, you can often pick up that thread that might've just got lost because one of the synapses in your brain just got unhooked just for a moment. So maybe a backtrack can help. But you could also move forward slightly and just say, "I'll, I'll come back to that point in a little while. Click forward, pause for breath, silent moment, and then move on to the next slide. Often that will be enough. I think it's gonna be very, very unlikely if you can just maintain your composure by taking that breath and that moment of silence. It's very, very unlikely that your brain won't play catch up. But I would say worst cases go, no, so no, probably second cases go backwards one, worst cases go forwards one. People will respect you for doing that. Um, You will lose the audience though if you start to panic. So the best thing is to reflect the fact that they are on your side they're going to hope that you're going to get over this moment, um, and generally, just remember that what might seem like minutes to you is actually seconds from the audience's perspective. So it probably, in most situations, isn't as bad as it might seem. Um, and I guess at the very, very worst thing, you could just run for the door, and just just run, never see them again. Um, I'm being flippant, but those two those two approaches take the silence, move forward, and move back. Generally, gets you over it.
1: There seems to be quite a few questions coming in that are related to nerves. So it's obviously a a big topic. Um, Carolyn asks, I feel like I'm really flat when presenting. My voice seems really flat. How do I stop that?
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, to to answer sort of more generically the the whole kind of nerves thing. It, It is all about the breathing. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about the um, sort of you know, the personal skills in terms of using silence and, um, you know, pacing it with the breathing. It, it really is about breathing because once you can attend to your breathing, it, it's something that really kind of centers you just as an individual. It really will center you. And it brings you back into yourself rather than just always looking at the audience and saying, oh, gosh, I've got this sea of faces and they're all, you know, very expectant, That I'm going to make them laugh or I'm going to entertain them or I'm going to inform them and I've got to be the expert and... Then you start playing mind stories that's the last thing that you need to be doing so by focusing and centering in on your breath and there's lots of breathing um, sort of exercise and techniques and if you want any of those you know direct message me if you're listening to this and you think i'd like to know more about this i've got a whole bunch of stuff on you know breathing and, and sort of mindfulness techniques so just direct message me and i can share those with you but again i think it's this whole thing about mental rehearsal The more times you can do this, the more times you can train your subconscious into these good practices, the more then you can just rely on that and then you can just enjoy it. Um, And I think what you might find is even if you just choose, say, two or three of these things to go away and practice and play with in your next presentation, again, you're not going to be perfect. It doesn't matter. You know, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. And even this presentation has been far from perfect. But what I'm doing here is I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to enjoy the time I'm spending with, with all of you. Um, but also, I'm gonna be using some of these little techniques just to kind of pace it. So I think if you're finding yourself you know, feeling really, really nervous, it is about centering with the breathing, but practice, practice, practice. It will feel so much easier if you know at the back of your mind, well, i practice this one 10 times. And if that's what it takes right now, that's what it takes in the future you might do it in one quick run and that's fine but it is about a journey of of learning this over time you can't just switch on being a great presenter we're all on a journey of this and just little improvements as you go forward will build your confidence as well just naturally
1: this is a really good question Um, it's something I've noticed more in presentations that I've seen as well Um, Nazreen asks, is sense of humour required in some situations?
0: Yes, a lovely question. I like the the way that you've asked the question as well because that actually is the answer um, to my mind. Um, In in a lot of situations I wouldn't go in thinking right I'm going to do this joke here, I'm going to do this funny thing here, oh there's a hilarious story I'm going to add in here. Humour in communications and in marketing and in presenting generally is a very, very it's a high risk strategy. I think if humour comes out as a dynamic that you forge within the presentation with your audience, then let that flow. That's genius because that's clever. That's really interacting with your audience. I think going into it, unless you are a comedian, unless you do kind of stand up comedy, you know, over a weekend and you know that you can do this, I'd say avoid humour sort of proactively. Um, and the reason I say that is because everybody's got a different sense of humour. Um, and what you do not want, and this will knock your confidence for six, is if you've got a joke, you think, oh, this is hilarious, this story. I must tell this really funny story. Um, and you sell the story and, and you're waiting for the audience and you get this sea of blank faces. How's that going to feel? So I think if it comes as a, as a feedback from the audience, then run with it and play with it and have some real good fun with the audience. Again, you're going to really enjoy that on both sides, but I think unless you're super experienced, try and avoid it. Just because there are so many different styles of behaviour, not behaviour rather, of humour, and, and particularly if you're talking to an international audience, there's so many different cultural styles of humour. You do not want to get that bit wrong because if you get that wrong, you could be in big trouble.
1: And the last question we've probably got time for today, but again, a really good question. Um, what if you get a question you don't have the answer for?
0: Lovely, lovely question. And thank you, everybody, for not asking a question in this session that I couldn't answer. Um, I guess we're talking more conceptually here, so it probably is a little bit easier. But that is a a seriously important question. It is 100 percent okay to say, depending on the, the scenario, the situation, thank you for the question. That's a really great question. I don't have the answer to hand or I don't know the answer to that directly here right now can we either take that offline so can we can we can we talk about that directly one-to-one later or if you feel the answer would be beneficial to everybody then literally own up and say look i don't have that to handle i can't answer that question right now but let me put that question in the the follow-up notes or the follow-up link to this video or i'll put it in the message thread when this video gets published i'll put a link to the answer or or invite people to direct message you if they want to know what the answer is afterwards. It is totally fine to own up to not knowing something, okay? Even if you're positioned there on the stage, big audience as the expert in topic X, the chances are you might be an expert but you're probably more a specialist so therefore you are having permission there to not know everything. You know, I will always get questions and I think, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. I might be able to blag it a little bit. But the better answer is to say, I don't know the answer to that. But please let me come back to you on it. People will totally respect you for that. If you try and blag your way through the answer, people will see you out instantly. And of course, how does that then leave you in their minds after the presentation in a far less credible place? So you want gravitas, you want credibility, you want confidence, and of course you want follow-up engagement too. It's a great way of keeping in touch with people afterwards. So I'd say be really authentic, be really honest, and just admit it. Nobody minds
1: that at all. Brilliant. Um, Well, I guess we're coming up to the end now, because I know you've you've got to be on another webinar, Neil. So um, thank you. thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for the session and for answering all those questions for us.
0: Thank you everybody today and thank you so much for those really, really great questions. Really love them and remember marketingcollege.com forward slash events for the next one. Look forward to seeing you then.